So, uh, and what a plan! Oh, the plan! <laughs> Christ! The, the the plan the plan is kidnap Chapman so that the Yerks spend all of their resources trying to get Chapman back, and none of their resources trying to help Tom out of the sticky situation he's landed himself in. Um, it is a plan that does work, but it's it's a fucking ballsy plan. Um, it also feels hella contrived that mm-hmm. it works. It does. Like, yeah. it's not actually a good plan. No. <laughs> uh, they, the, the fact that it works is kind of, probably the fact that it works is that the person who was helping Tom most was Chapman. Yes. Like, that, that's really kind of what it comes down to. Um, but essentially mm. they go over to Chapman's house, uh, Marco morphs gorilla, Rachel morphs grizzly, Jake morphs rhino. Um, they basically soft kidnap, uh, Melissa. She, they make her answer the door and then, uh, just fucking tie her up in the front yard. Um, and then they rampage through the Chapman's house, knocking out Mrs. Chapman. Um, Jake gets shot a bunch. Uh, and they chase Chapman out into the street. Um, Jake is just about ready to just fucking make Chapman grease on a, on the pavement. Um, which, uh, actually I will read that part because it is, uh, important. Um, Chapman was climbing his back fence. I hit the wood slats and sent him flying. He rolled onto his back and fired. Uh, hammer blows that connected with my throat. I staggered, plowed into axe, and knocked him off his feet. Chapman was up and running through the busted fence. I was hurt, bleeding, reeling, clinging to consciousness, and clinging most of all to rage. This creep had tried to gun down my father. I hit him. He flew, hit the ground, and rolled, groaning. The gun was five feet away. I backed up a step, tossed my head, scented the air, and targeted his moaning, prone form. Die, Yerk. I charged. No, Jake, Rachel yelled. We need him alive. Axe, stop him. I was going to scrape Chapman across the ground. Stomp him, crush him, dig my horn into him. I saw the horror in his eyes as he realized what I meant to do. Prince Jake, Axe yelled. I charged. Then at last, the injuries were too much. As if someone had sliced my legs off, I fell. My momentum carried me, skidding into Chapman. Chapman tried to rise. Axe nailed him with the side of his tail blade. Chapman went down, unconscious. I was swirling, swirling down into a black pit. Had to demorph. It was dark. Dark enough that Marco couldn't say. Marco, had I gotten him killed? Melissa must have worked the gag out of her mouth. Mommy? Daddy, where are you? Melissa Chapman wailed. And, uh... Jake Jade made a very good point. Uh, mm, that I, I didn't even think that. about it. I you said it, and now I can't think of anything else. Um, that axe cut Jake's legs out from under him to stop him. Like uh, it, it's so easy to damage an Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. Like I guarantee, I say with such conviction, that's <laughs> got to be a tactic that species that fights entirely using blades mm-hmm. highly dexterous ones at that would use and it's like Rachel tells Axe to stop him mm-hmm. 
And I like, he gives Jake a chance and I am full blown convinced that he just did the Achilles tendons on Jake's front legs mm-hmm. and he went down. Mm-hmm. And Jake just assumes that mm-hmm. it's like, the injury. Jake because is also extremely shot. hurt. <laughs> yeah, he took a, like a shot to the head. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I, I'm firmly on that, that uh, train of thought with you. Um, uh, so because, they. C- uh, Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just thinking about how angry Axe gets later at this mm-hmm. whole situation and just the notion that maybe he's already annoyed about mm-hmm. having to do this. And it's just like, no, I've got to do this shitty thing. I'm not letting you do this now. Yeah. Um, they kidnap Chapman. They leave Melissa in her, like, by her house that has been destroyed. Um, they take Chapman to an abandoned house, like, 200 yards down the street, because the Yerks won't think to look there, I guess. Um, they tie him to a chair, and, uh, wake him up. And Axe puts on a performance. Um, Axe move forward, hooves clopping on the bare wooden floors, circling Chapman on purpose, letting him hear that his interrogator was an Andalite. So, Yerk, he sneered imperiously, now you are mine. Chapman started to tremble. He whimpered, soft and low. I didn't look at Rachel. She didn't look at me. Neither of us was thrilled about this. We had to make Chapman think he was being interrogated by an Andalite warrior. We had to make him think he would be tortured. Moments earlier, I would have killed him. Even now, I felt no pity for him. But that didn't change the fact that we were trying to terrify another living sentient creature. If you're the kind of person who gets off on that, you need help. I was asking a lot of Axe. Too much. But he was determined to play the role. And, like, Axe goes hard. Like, he does not... He he doesn't let up. He just continues to question Chapman and threaten him, um, particularly with Kendrona starvation. Um, Jake goes home, uh, leaving Axe to continue to interrogate Chapman, and it's written here, maybe get rough with him uh, for another several hours until Jake's family leaves on this trip. And it's a lot. It, like, I am fully convinced that Axe does, quote unquote, get rough with Chapman here. And, uh, like, my baby boy deserves better than this. Mm hmm. It's also like with like Axe isn't like inclined to be that way as a person. Like for all his like occasional like and like arrogance and stuff like that. And we've seen him play the part of the I'm just remembering just like the smug and like before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like why is Axe the one doing this? Like it would be really the fact that none of them have acquired Andalite as a morph baffles me. Uh-huh. Anyway. 
I mean, I hate this. I hate this for X. I hate that this is a plan that children came up with. Mm-hmm. And part of me hates the fact that Jake isn't brave enough to stay there for it and actually be there for Axe. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. this is some leader bullshit. Yep. It. Like, Jake came up with this upsetting plan that, while effective through the art, through the miracle that is plot contrivance, but he doesn't even have the stomach to be there through it. Mm-hmm. Rachel doesn't either. Oh. Yeah. And like, Axe could go play Jake if they just needed Jake to be at home, and Jake could do this. Yep. The Watsonian reason they give is that they need it to be convincing for hours. Which, like, sure, I guess, but also... I don't think Chapman is thinking too clearly right now. Mm -hmm. It's also like, if the whole point of this plan was to make the Yerks panic and find Chapman, they could have just literally tied up Chapman somewhere and hid Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he, they needed probably like reasons for Chapman to say, I was held prisoner by X. Mm-hmm. But like, the Andalai bandits are a known phenomenon. The only person that knows they're not Andalites took a backwards tumble off a cliff face and is missing, presumed. So, <laughs> this seems like a weirdly bloodthirsty choice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether Jake takes himself out of it out of or because he doesn't trust himself to not go too far, mm-hmm. which I could believe, but then I would want to see that in the text. Yeah. It's it's, it's a choice. Yes. What it a lot is. of choices. <laughs> yeah. Especially for it to happen so off screen. Mm. Like the the way it's constructed is interesting because we have we have that chapter where Jake, like, leaves Axe to it. Then the next chapter is exclusively him at home in his bed, not sleeping because he can't sleep. And then, like, a few hours later in the morning, Tobias comes and wakes Jake up, says that Tom just snuck back into the house because he, you know, is finished searching for the night. Uh... And then Jake leaves to go check on Chapman again. Like, the... I mean, obviously this happened because they didn't want to show the Animorphs torturing some dude. But... It makes it kind of worse because the reader... And granted, maybe children aren't going... A child reader is not going to go to the places that our brains as adults who know more and are probably encounter more media could envision i i read some fucked up shit (laughs) yes but was it age appropriate fucked up shit no there we go (laughs) i can see that way for a target like they don't want to put something like that in front of children they don't want to give children ideas just like hmm kids imitate stuff they read hmm let's not just give them a (laughs) how-to guide 
Yeah. Um, but, like, I suppose the fact that we live in a sort of post-9-11, uh, the war on terror world where, like, pictures from Guantanamo Bay were, like, on the news for everyone of all ages to see mm-hmm. and, like, conversations about torture became sort of, like, things that were done out in the open mm-hmm. as things like reasonable force. I just, hmm. It feels bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it, and I don't like the picture that it paints of Jake. Mm -hmm. Because this isn't a willingness to do the bad thing. This is literally like psychological mind games and Mm -hmm. cruel, which doesn't vibe with behavior we've seen of him in the past. Yeah. It... It makes sense. It it illustrates how off the rails he is, since this mm. is hitting so close to home for him. But it doesn't feel good. Uh, but the good thing, though, is that it's not... At no point is this treated as good. Like... True. This is, this is wholesale treated as, like, Jake, this, this was fucked up. Like, we did it. Because you you told us to, but this is fucked up. Um, and like, acts full on says, "Do not make me do something like that again." Yes. Does he um, say, "Do not make me," or that I will not? I can't uh, quite remember. Well, yeah, we'll we'll. Uh, he says, "I will not do this yeah. again." Yeah. Um. And. The other good thing about it is that it's not uh, one of the, I, I follow, what is it, MacGyver Medical on Tumblr. They they do a lot of stuff about um, how to write believable injuries. Um, and one of the things that they stress is that, like, torture is extremely ineffective as a tool to get information. Um, and I like that they don't fall into that trap here. Um, you know, they don't, they don't get anything useful out of this except maybe a few hours. Um, but yeah, Jake goes back to check on Axe. Um, he asks if everything is okay and Axe is like, everything is going according to plan. I made sure to walk directly over the glass from the broken window so that he knows that there is glass present that he can use to get himself out of here. Um, and Jake says, good. No, Prince Jake, nothing about this is good, Axe snapped. This is not behavior suitable to a warrior. I will not do this again. Understood, Axe, I said. The human daughter of this controller has walked through the neighborhood crying for her father. I have heard her, as I have heard the terror of this controller. I will gladly fight this controller and even in fair battle kill him. But I am not a torturer. I'd never heard Axe this mad, never even close. It's my fault, Axe. My responsibility. You only did what I asked you to do as your prince. This is on me. No. My actions are my actions and are my responsibility, he said. But his anger had softened a little. I am sorry to have expressed anger. And it's just like that interaction says a lot about both of them. Uh... 
Jake doesn't apologize to Axe for making him do this. Uh, nope. <laughs> I, I really like, and I, I wish we had this moment of reflection, but Axe being like, no, I did this. Mm-hmm. I own up to my bullshit. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. thanks. Yes. It's extremely there's important. Just some, but yeah, because there's something, I really like the agency that stresses for Axe because so often he can be portrayed as very sort of subservient to Jake mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And him making clear, he's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know what I did. And I did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It. It calls back to every single argument you ever hear about just following orders. Um, and I think it's extremely important that they don't allow that to be the case here. Mm. Um, and that it, it, this is consistently something that we see throughout the series, right? We saw this with Elfangor when he refused to destroy a pool ship full of a bunch of uh, helpless yurks, right? Is that, you know, your superior officer has commanded you to do this thing and you have a choice about whether or not to do it, to follow through. Um, and I think it is interesting to have that contrast between that moment with Alfangor and this moment with Axe. Uh, and it hurts me. <sighs> the detail about Melissa wandering around the neighborhood mm-hmm. as well is just Oof. Mm-hmm. Because we know that Melissa has a really hard time of it mm-hmm. anyway, and yet she's still calling out for her dad. Yep. Uh-huh. It is... What happened to Mrs. Chapman? Like, she's knocked out. Yeah, she just knocked out. <laughs> she fires a dragon beam and then she gets thrown into a wall. Uh-huh. Uh, doesn't wake all night, I guess. She's dead. <laughs> Even by Animorphs rules, that's bad. Um, or she fucked off to go get the, the rest of the Yerks and left her daughter there alone. Yeah. Which also tracks. Which also tracks and is awful. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think we've seen h- how good Yorks are. You know. Um, the whole family relationship thing this this book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jake goes back to his house. He tells the others the wrong information about when his family is leaving. Basically, he tells them that 
they're going on their car trip later than when they actually are. He doesn't want to bring his friends along because he is tired of making his friends do things and risk themselves for him. Um, uh, this was my family, my brother, the killer, my father, the target, and me, the fool in the middle. Just the three of us. If my brother Tom, in a desperate last-ditch attempt to save himself, tried to kill my father, then I would morph. And the last thing my brother would see was me, his brother, his unknown enemy, rear up and destroy him with all the ruthless, savage power that was mine to command. I told myself I would do whatever had to be done, and I would. Suddenly, I needed to talk to Cassie, and maybe when it was all over, I would. Just that recognition of Cassie as his tether. Mm-hmm. And also just being like, that's a thing for later, me. <laughs> um, they drive up to the cabin. Uh, it's relatively uneventful. Um, Jake we've, and we've got to have the detail, unless I missed you saying uh-huh. about how he lies when they're leaving. Yes, yeah, because um, yeah, he says he's going to meet the others at the barn. Mm-hmm. Um. Because Tobias asking, okay, so when are you leaving? Uh, we, how do we follow you? Um, and Jake says, okay, we leave at noon because my dad's got some stuff to do. I'll meet you guys at Cassie's barn at nine to set the plans because this is like first thing in the morning. This is super mm-hmm, early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tobias leaves, and they're Jake was like they're leaving in two hours. Uh, and he's, we get this line of, I was done using my friends on this mission. I was tired of Marco's doubts and Axe's honor and even Cassie's wary sympathy. Mm-hmm. Like that isolating of himself. Like, no, this is my problem, my mess. I'll fix it. Yep. Yep. It also mm-hmm. does, the fact that yeah, he just like outright lies to the others, that he does so without hesitation mm-hmm. either mm-hmm. Um, makes it very satisfying that uh, he doesn't know this but his friend's just like nah he's lot, he's bullshitting right oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah his friends know him very well Cassie knows him very well Marco uh, too mm-hmm. um, but yeah they drive up to the cabin the trip itself is uneventful Jake and Tom share a room, and we get a really interesting moment where Jake uncovers uh, his grandfather's footlocker that has, like, a lot of his old war paraphernalia. Um, And Jake is trying to engage Tom in a conversation about this stuff, um, probably partly out of nostalgia, um, just of... Like, I I want you to talk to me like Tom might one more time, implicitly, before I have to kill you. Um, they talk about uh, how uh, Christmas during the war, everyone sang Silent Night, um, both sides wishing the war was over. Um, he uncovers... His grand, his great grandfather's silver star and purple heart. And 
He says, he was a brave guy. He believed in honor. All that stuff out of the old movies. Honor and courage and all. Yeah, well, that was all a million years ago, Tom said. Honor and courage aren't what matters. Not in the real world. What matters is whether you win. After you win, then you start talking about honor and courage. When you're in battle, you do whatever you have to do. Honor and courage and all that? Those are the words you say after you've destroyed all your enemies and anyone else who gets in the way. You're wrong, I said flatly. He rolled his eyes, bored now. You're a kid. Which, like... Yeah, but Jake acts that way a lot. I mean, I think... This coming on the heels of the scene with what he made Axe do is just so much. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a lot. And I, I love I love that he's still sort of clinging to, and when he clinging to it, he's still acting like kind of a younger version of himself. And I think he, he kind of knows it when he says he says so. But mm-hmm. just in that moment that's what he needs to do. Yeah. 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 So I just looked it up for my own curiosity slash peace of mind. Uh, the Purple Heart uh, is awarded for people who are yes. wounded or mm-hmm. killed in battle, and it's a retroactive one. And the Silver Star yes. is for gallantry, which, given that yeah. it's mentioned that uh, their great grandfather fought at the Battle of the Bulge, makes sense for that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and this bugged me reading it, the whole Silent Night thing, fairly <laughs> certain that's a World War Two story, a uh, World War One story. Oh, yeah, you but know, that- you might be right. So, mm-hmm. I'm also actually fairly certain that I'm gonna look up about foxhole fighting. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, okay, trench, it's a defensive tre- position thing. Trench, yeah, full on trench warfare was World War II. No, foxholes were still used. They're still used now. Yeah, but yeah, no, the Silent Night story. I'm fairly certain was a World War One. I. I think thing, so. Yeah, which definitely because it had me going. Wait. And looking it up because I'm fairly certain that's a story about British soldiers and German soldiers. Mm-hmm. The singing of Silent Night. I could. I'm. I'm willing to be wrong. Military history is not my thing. It is Jake's thing, though. Um, <laughs> it is Jake's thing. Um, but yeah, there. I do like the whole. This just this whole scene is so very good and interesting. Yeah, and the fact that there's a whole bit about how Tom wants to keep the dagger. Mm-hmm. Of all, of it all, because um, also there was this uh, thing actually at the top of the chapter to, to loop back to something I mentioned at the top mm-hmm. um, about why they can't have the funeral tomorrow. I, about why Sunday or Monday, uh, and explained that they don't do, they don't bury people on Sundays mm-hmm. uh, around here, which I appreciate is a specific detail. Because I'm fairly certain, like the whole Sabbath and not working doesn't apply to grave diggers. Um, uh, how Sunday is for the wake, Monday for the burial, and that is a super. Uh, that we don't do that here. It also is not. Uh, we don't. It's not do, a Jewish burial. At, we don't or, do viewings. I mean, things are things are different. But yeah. a wake, I I don't even. I don't know what a a wake is, and I. Um, <laughs> I, I, I looked it up because I wanted to be okay. able to discuss this. Um, awake is either, uh, and it tends to be used quite colloquially in America okay, for a that viewing is actually, or for listen, a sitting. A viewing is, um, you're not supposed to do that for Jewish people, actually. So mm-hmm. that's what I said. Mm-hmm. 
Um, actually, like my my uncle, um, hmm. he did he arranged my grandmother's funeral. He he arranged as sort of not a full on thing, but he arranged it. He's like, I know Jews don't do that, and actually that was sort of, um, I I didn't love that, but I mean obviously he he, he was the one who did it. But you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> This is the um, the the Gentile okay. side of Jake's yeah. family, um, because he's he's Jewish. Yeah, and I think his that's dad, totally which... cool. I just wish that they would say that he's an, an interfaith family. Yeah, and they they never do, and yeah. that leads I think yeah. some people to yeah. say that Jake and Rachel aren't Jewish, which I object to. And um, sorry if I, if I may go on a bit of a. Um, I've heard other no, podcasts absolutely. Go for it. say that, or other fans say, well, Jake and Rachel are Jewish on the dad's side, which means not very Jewish. That's an actively offensive thing to say. That um, patrilineal Jews, people who have a Jewish father and a non-Jewish mother, are Jewish. Most Jewish people acknowledge this. And non-Jewish people mm. just probably shouldn't go around saying that. And I personally think that we should never allow like gatekeeping to a community be left to like the most assholeish and exclusive people. It's like, why would you do that? It's just like people who say that bisexual people aren't queer or something. Why would you like leave like the assholes to define the community? So mm. that's, that's my thing. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. <sighs> especially because like this whole, this whole fight centers around Jake's dad. It would have been, it would have mm. been good to have some of that perspective in this book that is yeah. so sent, like so centered around death. Yeah. Like even like that talking about just like, this is like, I would listen almost like Jake's dad being uncomfortable. Like this could be the first non-Jewish funeral he's had to attend mm. and trying to be respectful of his wife's mm -hmm. family's traditions but also that just heightened emotion and talking about how it was when maybe his grandfather died mm -hmm. like getting to see that difference and that reflection on it would have been again like so often in animals it feels like an opportunity they could have really made something of yeah because but yeah it was like we said earlier it's just like, oh, just casually offhand you mention, oh, yeah, well, we're Jewish, but on this side. And then just like, but this informs nothing about who we are as people or our stories in any way. Okay, bye. Yeah, I mean, it's typical of the period. And I think actually, yeah, a lot of a lot of fans yeah, have really um, filled the, the gap. And I love that about, the, I think, I mean, yeah. I was just being harsh on some people in the fandom, but some people in the fandom have really embraced that. No, Even like, I've, I've seen like non-Jewish fanfic writers like trying to do research and and i think that that's cool that they've really like seen that they tried to do mm. more than the authors did in that regard yeah mm -hmm. um but yeah also part of why i looked up wake is because one it well because i wondered if a wake was specifically a catholic thing which was why i wanted to look it up Mm. Um, because the other usual term for wake is for the sort of effectively the gathering after the funeral yes uh, when people like come together and mourn because uh, burials are super not common in the UK. Ah. Um, most people are cremated. Huh. Um, there are still like for, for religious reasons, I say, se especially secular folks. If you like people of faith might, um, of like, uh, like Christian folk, and I, I don't know enough about Jewish <laughs> customs to say anything on the matter. 
um, whether cremation's ever a thing I, opted into. I, it's um, not. It's but, not. Um, it's not like officially like it's not um, like traditionally it's not. But I think a lot of people, especially if you're a more reformed, do opt for it. Uh, my mother opted for it, and so we respect the yeah. wishes. But we did that, and um, our rabbi said it was fine. Some people might disagree, but. Um, for, but it's for for most of us it's okay um yeah um but yeah but i don't know whether it's just because you know we've only got so much yeah, that makes sense here. actually even uh, <laughs> when people be people dying in the uk for like fucking thousands of years <laughs> yeah, graveyards no, full um but you do still like <laughs> i'm sorry morbid job but yeah uh so like but also, um, I because I've never been to a burial. But also, just like mm, well, I don't think we do viewings here unless it's expressly part of the desire of the family, or like in the um, in the will of the deceased. Mm -hmm. So that whole business is just so like alien to me. It's just like, why would you spread this shit over two days? Like, come on, <laughs> boom, boom. But the viewing and then the next day like the viewing and the wake gathering and then the burial being a different thing mm. and, and my friend goes yeah sort of like having like you have the wedding and then you have the reception different things yeah. some people come to I, I suspect part of this is mm. the authors they needed to justify Please. why they were away for four days and because mm -hmm. actually yeah <laughs> yeah but also <laughs> but then that would have been an absolute dick because it's like yes thank you for being at the wake you don't have to be here for the burial well, you can do that sometimes, like, if you, um, like, that That fundamentally is how I have always thought about funerals and wakes. It's like, mm -hmm. you have the wedding and then you have the reception. Um, mm -hmm. Because, like, the, the burial itself is uh, more personal. Close family. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it wouldn't be weird to have a separate wake. Where you would invite like more people, more like spread out acquaintances kind of thing for people to come pay their respects, but the burial would be closed. Yeah, the um, way I always understood it, and obviously we have like, even if you have like a, a cremation service and stuff like that rather than a burial, which is I've been to a number of, uh huh. Um, oh, where did my brain just go? It upped and left me and went far away. Mm -hmm. Fuck. But just um yeah, it's that um uh the the burial or like the cremation service feels very much is a is a saying goodbye to the deceased, yeah. whereas wakes the vibe is always celebrating the life and remembering the person. Mm -hmm. That's how the the, the 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 places I've been to, like including like my dad's, that's sort of the vibe I always mm -hmm. have on them. So but then that's because uh, I'm British and any excuse for a piss up. So, and that's what wakes up. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> just like, yeah, you get drunk and you talk about the person that's gone. Yep. Um, but they go to sleep after a tense moment where Tom doesn't put the dagger back and Jake makes him. Um, they they go to sleep. Jake has a weird fucking nightmare dream um, and wakes up to Tom out of bed, gone, 
and so too is the dagger that was in the footlocker. That, the dream, I know mm-hmm. that we're getting near the back end of our recording times, but I do want to highlight what that mm-hmm. dream is, mm-hmm. which is Jake is the commanding officer. He's a sergeant in a foxhole talking to another soldier um, who wants Jake as his sergeant to write his letter home if when he dies. Not if, when. Mm-hmm. And just like the whole thing is just like this onus of like the responsibilities of leadership as well. Like, yes, obviously, little truck is a book, but like obviously he's been thinking about the World War II stuff and his great grandfather. And then just that overlapping with the responsibility we have to each other and mm. just like the weight of that. And then the young soldier in the dream stabs him. It turns like turns into Tom and then stabs him. Yep. So yep. or stabs him and then turns into Tom. But just it's an incredibly well written dream sequence. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just like we see Jake being a good leader in it, just like trying to help somebody feel better. Yep. So Um, but then uh, shit gets real, yep, real fast. Mm-hmm. Sure does. Uh, Jake gets out of bed, uh, searches the house, the cabin for his dad and Tom, finds them out back, um, or east through the front door. So out front of the cabin, um. They're sitting at the edge of a dock uh, and talking with each other. Um, Jake says that Tom would have played this perfectly. He would have woken his father up to apologize um, for his behavior and to talk, uh, quote-unquote, man-to-man, luring his dad outside. Uh, He has the dagger. He's going to stab his father. Um, Jake begins to run, uh, and as he's running, he begins to morph. Tiger. Um, and then the dock that Jake's father and Tom are sitting on just fucking collapses in on itself completely. Uh, there, Tom and Jake's dad are both thrown into the water, uh, not really able to stay afloat. Jake's dad is dragged several yards through the lake until he is finally pushed up onto shore. Um, and Tom too is dragged, uh, is, is hit in the water and kind of lays face down in the water for a long moment. Um, someone tells Jake to demorph. He sees fins in the water. Um, and Jake freezes up. He doesn't know what the fuck to do. Um, but suddenly Tom's body is pushed through the water to the shore as well. Um, and Jake is able to pull him out onto the shore. Um, Tom's leg is fucking wrecked like a compound fracture broken in way too many places um 
and they call an ambulance and Tom is, uh, is, Hellivac- is Hellivac- Hellivac'd out of the, the area, like just taken on a helicopter to back to their home hospital. Um, yeah, it's waved off as being like, the break is too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so it needs to be like a, only their local hospital has the uh, equipment mm-hmm. needed. Yeah. Um. Um, and after things calm down enough, Jake's mom goes with Tom to the hospital. His dad is left behind with Jake. Um, and uh, they uh, things kind of calm down. Um, and Jake goes outside because he realizes that he wasn't alone here. Um, and, uh, the others reveal themselves to him and they basically say like, yeah, Cassie morphed whale, uh, swam through this really shallow water and broke the dock to throw everybody into the water. Um, and then everybody else, as dolphins, broke Tom's leg and pushed everybody out of the water. Um, and Jake is, like, overcome with gratitude. Um, because they saved not only Jake's family, but his sanity. Um, and everyone is like, yeah, you know, it's like a vacation. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, we spent a lot of time in that abandoned hunting lodge over there. Tobias ate like a king. No big deal. Um, <laughs> and then Jake asks after Marco. Uh, and Cassie says he didn't know if you'd want to see him right away, though you might need some time to calm down or thought you might need some time to calm down or whatever. Um, and Marco steps out uh, towards Jake. He looks a little leery. Um, like he's not sure how Jake is going to react. And Jake correctly uh deduces that this had to have been Marco's plan um and Jake is just like everyone's alive the crisis is past um i should have thought of it myself tom injured had the perfect excuse for not coming on this trip i should have seen that um and jake admits that he was too close to it and that marco was right um and marco doesn't argue but he also doesn't gloat. Um, I guess we each have our strengths and weaknesses. Marco's strength is the ability to see the way to the goal, even when it means disregarding consequences and feelings and basic right and wrong. With like, like, hey, Jake, the fuck? Mm -hmm. My guy? (laughs) Um, And then he kind of draws Marco away uh, so that he can talk to him in private. And he says, you're my best friend, Marco. If you ever again tell me I'm losing it, getting too involved, can't lead, you'll kick my butt, he interrupted with a grin. No, I'll listen. I'll listen. Then I'll kick your butt. He laughed. Um, And they begin to rejoin the others, and Jake stops Marco, and he says, this whole plan worked because Tom came outside and made himself vulnerable. What would have happened if he didn't? Marco didn't look at me. You had to keep me from blowing it at all costs, I pressed. You had to preserve the security of the group and keep me alive. Those were your top priorities. He nodded. So, what if you hadn't been in time? What if Tom had managed to kill my father? 
It was pretty clear after I thought about it that if Tom killed your father, you'd lose it, Marco said coolly. Like a chess game. Tom takes your father, you take Tom. You'd have gone after Tom, exposing yourself and us. Game over. So we couldn't let that happen. Your dad had to survive for you to survive. The one expendable piece was Tom. But if anything was going to happen to Tom, it would have to look natural. Not like an Animorph had been involved, and not like you had been involved. It would have had to be done very carefully. So if it came down to that... No, I said softly. I shook my head. I just didn't want to know. For a while, neither of us said anything. I just let it sink in. You know what Marco and I used to talk about? Whether Batman could beat Super Spider-Man. Whether Sega was better than Nintendo. Whether some girl would rather go out with him or me. And now... What are we anymore, Marco? What happened to us? He didn't answer. I didn't expect him to. We both knew what had happened. We better get back inside. And they go back oh into the gosh. cabin. <laughs> yeah. Like, Marco loves Jake so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it kills me. And I cry about Marco forever. And I cry about Benny LaFontaine forever. It kind of, it did seem earlier to me that, like, as much as they love each other, is there any going back for them? And this, I think maybe this shows that, okay, that they can go back to maybe not being what they used to be when they talked about Batman and Spider-Man, but that their love for each other is strong enough to survive this. And, and that's, that's beautiful in term, in spite of all the, yeah. the pain that this scene is. The fact that Marco was hiding because he didn't know yeah. how Jake would react. But also that because he wanted to give Jake space as well, just like, mm, just in case he doesn't want me there. Just like already accounting for that possibility. Mm -hmm. Especially after when you think about like, you're not alone, man. And it's just mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. ah, yeah. ah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh. And uh, our kickflip into the sun is not a kickflip into the sun. It is uh, talking about the funeral um, and watching Jake's grandmother, his great-grandfather's daughter, um, like receiving the American flag um, from the, the soldiers. Um, and she and the worn, grizzled men look at, looked at each other for a long, quiet moment as if sharing a memory, a lifetime of experiences only they could understand. I understood it, though. Maybe not their war, but ours, because now we're the ones out on the battle lines, the ones who fight and bleed, succeed and fail, win and lose. We're the ones with the nightmares and the old souls. I know what Grandpa G meant now. He only talked about the war twice, at least to me, once when he opened his footlocker. And, and the other, that day long ago when we'd sat on the dock. When my war ends, if I survive, I probably won't talk much about it either. As far as experiences go, once will be enough. Uh, and then we end on uh, this last bit. Um, Tom dropped the Nazi dogger. Tom had dropped the Nazi dagger in the water when he'd been knocked off the pier. Uh, Jake could have retrieved it, but he doesn't. But he does have Grandpa G's medals. I always knew he'd been a hero in the war, that he had medals and all. 
and I'd wondered why he didn't put them in a display case, show them off for all the world to see. But I was a little wiser now. Medals aren't so simple for the people who earn them. Every time Grandpa G had looked at those medals, he'd thought about the things that had happened, the things he'd seen others do, the things he'd done himself. I know he was proud of being brave, proud of doing his best for his country. But I also know why the medals were in a pouch, in a footlocker, in an attic, kept far out of sight. Someday, maybe, there'll be medals for those who fought the war against the Yerks. I'll need to buy a footlocker. That's that's a real, that's a a powerful ending. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is one of the passages that really stuck with me after I read it as a kid. Um, Just this idea of soldiers surviving a war and being very, like, not wanting to go back there ever to that mental space. It's a lot. Yep. And I'm sad that Jake is 13 and already understands that so well. Uh, but that's the end of the book. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the book. Do we have any closing thoughts? Yeah. I've said so much stuff. This was a lot. I think, <laughs> I think it's um, a, good, a good book, but well, it, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Let's do all our uh, closing uh, mm-hmm. thoughts and questions mm-hmm. to give us some structure of the rule sitting here just like ah. <laughs> all right uh possible rankings out of 10 uh plot i am not impressed like the general premise good mm-hmm. the execution poor. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would. Say, I was expecting like, it to have a stronger plot from mm-hmm. what you told me, mm-hmm. like as the premise. So, yeah, uh, I'd give it like a yeah. six, maybe. Yeah, it seems that seems reasonable. Yeah, it's just a lot of contrivances. Uh, I think early on, some of the early scenes just feel like a bit okay. What are we doing here? We're having a whole thing about a parking lot dispute, but yeah, I think it picks up for sure. Yeah. But early on. There's some issues. Yeah. Uh, characterization. For the people that yes. are present, very good. I mean, I think for Jake and, and for um, everyone except for Rachel and Cassie, I think that that's, to me, it's it's about a nine. I think it's really good. Mm. Yeah. If we're deducting yeah. points for the missed opportunities for characterization, then it does drop. But for those that mm. we see, like I'd say a solid... Because I don't like all of it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say maybe an, an eight for the characters that are there. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. acts and Tobias's stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, enjoyability or satisfaction? Mm. 
that's a hard one for me. Yeah. I said it made me feel very uncomfortable in places though I think it was trying to. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I wouldn't read this one again. Mm. Like I feel like, yep, I got everything out of that book that it was offering up. I did not enjoy it enough to read it again. Yeah, I don't think mm-hmm. this was no. ever one of the ones that I reread like constantly. I mean, I, I reread yeah. almost all of them several times, but I think this was probably one of the lesser ones that I reread as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I've read 33, maybe 10, 12 times at this point, at least. But I don't think I ever read this one more than once. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it does some things very good, but the whole package is lacking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, going down to it, like, with talking about it the way we have now, like, with individual scenes, it's like, oh, I love this scene, I love this part, I love the ending. But as a whole, like, when I finished it yesterday, it wasn't, like, left feeling, wow, I love this series the way... Um, I was with mm-hmm. with thirty and with some of the other books, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. What was your favorite part? <sighs> For me, it's um, it's possibly the ending, but um, if not that, then like in terms of an actual scene, it's it's Jake and Marco at the end of the book, their their conversation, and I think that's what I remember most about the book and mm-hmm. what gave me the most feelings. Mm-hmm. yeah i think i'm sort of along with you like that closing out with um like i think it might be the ending mm-hmm. after that just like because it feels like and the fact that this book to be fair like the last one didn't end with a kickflip into the sun either mm-hmm. um but that the weight that that ending is given um yeah yeah um though uh i will say not necessarily favorite but like the conversation between axe and mm-hmm. jake yeah. so strong mm-hmm. yeah and like cinematic as well like i can see that so clearly mm-hmm. yeah i i agree with those um just the the very end and the the bit with marco and jake and the the axe scene are absolutely the highlights of this book. Um, did anything surprise you? I guess. Um, I I mean it takes it takes a lot to surprise me because from these books because I know so well. But I guess I think like you, I'd sort of imagined the part of the, the cabin taking up more of the book. And I, I was like surprised, like we get to page one hundred or something, mm. we're still like not at the cabin yet. And so that surprised yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. When are they gonna get to the cab? <laughs> <laughs> Millhouse yeah. Van Houten voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like two chapters mm. of action at the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean pacing issues. Just the shit. <laughs> Fucking Looney Tunes esque bullshit of some of the action sequences are just like how the Yurks have managed to secretly infiltrating a fucking planet. I have no idea. And they're not at their best in this book. I mean, are they ever? But they're really no, not at their like best this book. 
I tell you what, they feel <laughs> incompetent yeah. mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. And not in a way that's engaging either. This is not like <laughs> Visa 3's hubris biting them in the ass. This just feels like dumb mook behavior. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Oh, and Visa 3 isn't, isn't in this Which book. sucks this because... pretty rare. I think, I think we miss him. He's we not, just yeah. miss him usually when he's not there. <laughs> yeah. But it's like... Because it's going on and on about how terrifying the Yurks are. And then they just like, <laughs> they see me rolling. Just like coming from a neighborhood. And I'm like, there is a dissonance between how the Yurks are talked about mm-hmm. and, wh- their, and their actions. Like, yeah, their willingness to gun a man down in broad daylight. Yeah, that's pretty ruthless. It's also dumb as shit. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it genetically engineering sharks to have smaller <laughs> brains, stupid? No. But it's still stupid. Uh, was there any part My that metric make... continues. Yeah. <laughs> was there any part that didn't make sense to you or that you didn't understand? See above comments I mean, about I the I guess egg. to me, okay. I mean, oftentimes I'm really bad at visualizing things. So I didn't, when I'm, I mean, and I guess mm-hmm, you could say that's because Jake didn't understand what was going on either. But the song, the part with the doc, reading it, I kind of had no idea what what was going on. And I mean, that's okay. But I, that's yeah, yeah. The physicality of that scene yeah. is poor. Um, I think it's poorly described, yes. so you can't. But I get like it's it's yeah. the middle of the night, water. Mm-hmm. It feels almost. I tell you what, that'd be a great horror scene. Like, because yes. that's actually a very scary thing. But because it's written a bit clumsily mm-hmm. you don't you can't like you were saying sarah uh it's hard to get a visualize on it and f- yeah feel I, out what's happening you have to wait till you get the explanation yeah, I mean, I, like I feel, oh i mean i feel that way about what's i'm just really bad at like visualizing scenes and because i just don't think that way but i think this scene mm-hmm. especially is troublesome for me yeah yeah um yeah for sure like it is the cabin is not described like at all it's like oh there's a lake here okay (laughs) uh yeah no yeah that's that's a good point um is it essential anamorphs reading i think um knowing what comes later and i think yes (laughs) yeah i think it's doing some stuff about Jake's characterization that I mm-hmm. feel like I know Jake better. Yeah, I think I like him less. Mm-hmm. Um and he but he also feels infinitely more tragic. I was going narrative wise, no. Like it doesn't add mm-hmm. to the big overarching plot especially. Yeah. Um but I feel like this is one of these ones where I'm going to look back on. I feel like, given what you two were just saying, go, oh, oh, yeah, nah. Book that, yeah, nah. Should have seen this coming. Oh, wait, no, but they planted the seeds. So mm-hmm. this feels like set up for a later payoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you necessarily would have needed this to get the payoff, but I imagine the payoff will be better yeah. for it. Yes. You're correct. I hate it when you do that, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> I I did a lot of I flailing. Died. I did a lot of flailing to Jen last night. It's fine. <laughs> uh. 
Uh, all right. Um, Sarah. Thank you so oh, much for coming Thank you on, so much Sarah. for being here. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to have you. Uh, mm. Where can people find you and your work? Okay, so I'm at uh, Twitter at Sarah with an H, K-A-P-I-T. And if you're interested at all in my books, uh, Get a Grip, Vivi Cohen, and The Many Mysteries of the Finkel Family are available in all the usual places where they sell books. And um, the they are about um, kind of autistic girls who are um, doing things that are not usually the things we see autistic people doing in fiction, mm-hmm. including baseball, which I love. So, <laughs> um, so, so, so that's, that's <laughs> what I do. Excellent. Awesome. Love it. Uh, my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose. Um, you can find them at their home podcast, Follow the Leader, at FDLcast on Twitter. Um, I finally listened to the first of the uh, uh, six eps in a movie arc that they're doing, and it is mwah, is beautiful. Love it. Um, definitely go mm-hmm. listen to their stuff. Um Jade does incredible character work. The entire Follow the Leader cast and crew does incredible character work. You absolutely will not regret it. Um, you can also catch them and me on Dumb Kids Playing Hero, which is our Animorphs-inspired actual play podcast using a game system that I wrote. Uh, and season three is starting soon. Um, imminent. Imminent. Soon. I theoretically should be working on stuff right now, but I'm not because <laughs> I'm a procrastinator, but it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot. Uh, and my co-host has been Danielle. Uh, you can find them on the internet at RedtailedHawk90, and you can check out their home podcast. I don't know why I said that with that emphasis. The Room Where It Happened, uh, Room Where Pod on Twitter. Elder County, their third season, is just kicking off. We've just been introduced to the characters. If you like urban fantasy with an eldritch spin set in Appalachia, this is the podcast for you. Check it out. Oh, and our podcasting guild is Stones underscore Standing on Twitter, Standing Stones Prod on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the tail end of May, some of us may be involved in Moonshots, a uh, big TV, exciting streaming marathon. Some familiar voices will be heard. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do another clap. Let's do a heckin' clap. Clap at 20. 20. 